celebrating mass is pretty pretty unbelievable yeah um and i mean that in every sense of the word um that i i really have to be mindful of of what the lord is doing through me you know and um just getting getting beyond myself because mm-hmm. i know as all of us priests know and our people know it know them too like mm-hmm. our our shortcomings and our limitations and the ways in which we struggle that you know the lord uses imperfect vessels mm-hmm. you know to bring about um a greater good which is him Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for IamHere.org. And today I'm very excited to welcome my fellow co-host, Father Mario Amore, to join me on the podcast to share his I Am Here story. Welcome, <laughs> <Finally>. Father. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you. And um, just to dive into what our Lord has done in your life through his Eucharistic presence. So thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Yeah, you've been you've been asking me for a while to <laughs> submit my story. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, as I was thinking about it, I, um, I think I was so hesitant because I didn't think I had much to share. And it was really in, in spending the time really thinking about how God has worked in my life that um, I recognize that I did and the ways in which God works in our lives. You know, we've had so many guests on the podcast who have just spoken about just such profound experiences of the Lord, um, especially in Eucharistic adoration or at mass. And, um, yeah, I guess it was, it was a little difficult for me to pinpoint that or those experiences, but, um, actually taking the time to think about it and pray about it. Uh, the Lord revealed that, no, they're actually, of course there were moments yeah, of course. Um, uh, of encounter. And I'm just, I'm really grateful that uh, you uh, kept asking me <laughs> and have invited Nagged me to, to share the story. <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful. And um, yeah, I'm so glad that you uh, were able to, the Lord was able to remind you of those moments. Because mm-hmm. I think, and I've heard that from lots of the people that we've reached out to, to share their stories. You know, this idea of, well, I don't have that much to share, even though I have this devotion to Jesus in the Eucharist. Right. But um, the Lord is so good at taking us back when we just ask him, you know, yeah. what were these moments where you drew me closer, where you revealed your presence mm-hmm. and where that changed me. So, um, and yeah, this is a great story. I'm excited to, <laughs> to unpack it. Um, so let's start with uh, where we tend to begin. Yeah, right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. <laughs> what was life like for you? You just came out of the womb ready yeah, to be a priest. Yeah, and... I was saying, you know, in the story that people just think that uh, priests just fall from heaven and uh, <laughs> we're planted here and uh, we just grow. And, um, you know, f- for me, I take for granted a lot the fact um, that my parents were just so, so generous in the sacrifices that they made for me and for my brother as well to share with us the gift of uh, the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the gift that was shared with them. And, you know, as as a kid, you know, I, I wouldn't say that we were the, the most Catholic family on the block. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, when people hear that I'm a priest, um, you know, they expect my story to be, that, uh, you know, I, my family and I are just, we were praying all the time, or I always use the example of like gathering around uh, dad's chair at the end of the day and praying the rosary. And I know for some people like that, 
that was their experience and that was how prayer was modeled for them and instilled in them. Um, it wasn't the case for me uh, or for my family, but I really look to um, just kind of two pivotal things in my life that um, uh, just instilled in me a love of the faith, mm-hmm. um, even from a young age when I didn't think that I loved the faith. Um, so the first thing was, um, you know, the the sacrifices that my parents made to send my brother and I to a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second, and probably the most important, was the fact that they just always made it a priority to take us to mass every week. We were the family that went on Saturday evening for the okay. vigil mass. Um, and like without exception, <laughs> we were there. And um, I, uh, I don't know, I don't know why it was such a priority for them. Yeah. Um, I should probably ask, yeah. but I just, uh, obviously it's um, the fact that the Lord it worked in their lives and, and they had met the Lord um, in one way or another and sure. they wanted to share him with us. Sure. So so going to Mass every Saturday evening growing <laughs> up, what was that like for you yeah. as a child? As um, a not great. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't great for my parents either. Um, so, you know, I write that I was that kid at Mass, um, the obnoxious one, the annoying sure. one, because I kind of schemed that, uh, you know, if I did something to kind of just embarrass my parents, if I I did it enough, um, they would just get super annoyed and would kind of just give in. And the next time Saturday evening rolled around, they would just think twice about um, bringing me to mass. And so I I remember doing really obnoxious things during mass. Um, (laughs) I would, uh, it's it's very embarrassing to talk about, but I would, uh, you know, like, sing in an operatic voice like uh, uh, yeah like a uh, well yeah <laughs> um, did you ever that. get like looks or <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I would get looks I would my I would get uh, pinches from nice. my parents right, right. Um, uh, yeah I remember one Sunday morning so yeah this was a Sunday morning so whatever reason we didn't go in the evening and it was just my dad and I who went and um I knew for whatever reason not to do it to my mom, but I <laughs> would embarrass my dad. Oh my gosh. Um, and so it was just he and I, and maybe my brother was serving or something. Okay. Um, and yeah, I just remember being in the middle of the aisle on all fours, just making a scene. Oh my gosh. And just, he was angry and he was embarrassed. And, um, but yeah, I, for, for whatever reason, <laughs> they continued to bring me. Um, I love it. So wasn't a super great experience for me or for them. Sure. Um, but I, I remember something that um, I shared in, in one of the, the podcasts mm-hmm. with somebody who was a parent mm-hmm. and they had, had mentioned that just the struggle and the sacrifice it is to bring their children mm-hmm. to mass. And I always think about, um, I think I brought it up then as well, like what our spiritual director in the seminary would say, Father Spezia, he would say that that's a way in which parents unite themselves in a very real way to the sacrifice yeah. of Christ. Like yeah. that's your sacrifice in that moment, wow. like the embarrassment or the anger <laughs> and all of that. And like, that's what you can unite yeah. to the Lord at mass. And so I, I don't know if my parents um, thought of that in the moment, <laughs> sure. but the, the Holy Spirit worked just to, yeah continue to move them to 
to make sure mass was was an important part of our lives. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, and so you also grew up going to Catholic school as well. I did. And so, what was your experience there like in terms of you know being acquainted to the faith? In a- yeah, and it, it was kind of like two different worlds, I guess, mm-hmm. because like at school, like once I got past the fact of not wanting to go go to school, like I was I was the I mean, I don't want to say the favorite student, but like the <laughs> teachers liked me because I was quiet and I didn't sure. make trouble and all of that. Yeah. Um, but at mass, it was completely different. Um, but as as time went on, you know, and part of what changed for me, mm-hmm. just the fact of like, first of all, getting older and maturing, mm-hmm. um, but also finding my place at church, finding mm-hmm. my place at mass. Um, you know, I talk about like, I'm a musician. So being a part of like the children's choir when that was, when that was happening or also altar serving as well was a huge part of, um, just my own, um, yeah, coming into, into the church and and loving the church by being involved in that way. My brother and I, we became kind of like the captains of the altar servers and they would call us when there were weddings and funerals and that. (laughs) And so it was, it was like, yeah, finding my place and finding sure. finding my my purpose, mm. um, and obviously the the Lord was doing much more than that behind the scenes, um, but kind of that went hand in hand also with my own um, knowledge and love of the faith increasing. So, um, in terms of the other. Uh, disciplines in school, I did well, but they didn't hold my interest in the same way that the religion class did. So um, that sort of became my thing, my my area of not expertise, but where I kind of flourished the most. So we had um, something called, uh, they still do it uh, in one of our areas here in the diocese, the academic Olympics. Oh, so I yeah. went for religion. Nice. And then we also had uh, the catechism bowl. So I was on that team. And, oh my gosh. Um, I love it. So yeah, that's kind of how my growing to love the church and faith kind of uh, just changed from that point of sure. not w- wanting, being that little boy who didn't want to go to church <laughs> to being that boy who was, you know, r- really loved the faith. Sure. Sure. So you've talked a little, a, a, a bit about kind of the head knowledge you were mm-hmm. kind of growing in at this, in this point of your life. Um, what was your like heart relationship like with Jesus as like yeah. a middle school, high schooler, as, as your love for the faith was growing through knowledge of him? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, for me that, that knowledge was, um, probably more present than the relationship. Sure. Um, and so I think it's a struggle that most kids and, and really all of us face at one point or another and just really struggle with throughout life is mm-hmm. like connecting the knowledge to the person, the mm-hmm. knowledge to the experience. And so, um, yeah, probably, probably didn't have uh, a real encounter with Jesus, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, more of just knowing about him. Sure, sure. And so when when were you introduced to that real encounter with Jesus? Yeah. What was that like? So the more, again, that I got involved with, with church and um, 
that's that's when kind of the the encounter experience began really mm-hmm. um so it was so my brother is a musician as well and um, he started uh, like working at our parish mm-hmm. uh, as the musician and so i would kind of shadow him and be just kind of at church all the time because mm-hmm. i just i liked it um and so uh, we would kind of go and be more kind of exposed to the inner workings of parish parishes, parish life, um, and the priest. Um, and so getting involved in that way, deeper, more deeply involved in um, like service at mass, particularly through music, but then also being um, uh, a part of the youth group mm. as well. So, um, and at, at this point, you know, so I'm a high school student, and I'm sad to say that I don't really remember ever being um, exposed to Eucharistic adoration. Mm. You know, and and so um, we have some some things to work on, mm-hmm. in just in in terms of that mm-hmm. within our schools, and um, mm-hmm. we're well aware of that. And so I think we have great people at the at the helm who's who's making those things more. Uh, um, focusing our attention mm-hmm. on what's important. Um, so never having an experience of Eucharistic adoration, but then through um, more involvement at the parish and in the youth group, um, I was very close to uh, the youth minister mm-hmm. and her office was right next to this room down a hallway in, um, it's called the Christian Growth Center. So where religious education took place, that was uh, a Eucharistic Adoration Chapel. Okay. And so I would always see people kind of going in and out of there and didn't really know what it was. And one day I just decided to to go in there and, mm-hmm. and see what was happening. And, you know, as so many people have relayed to us, you mm-hmm. know, as, they've, as, they, as they have sat in the seat mm-hmm. and shared their story, um, there was just something so different about that being in the presence of the Lord, that that peace and that serenity that comes, um, and just the experience of love. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that was not being able to to think back to a specific instance, mm-hmm. but it was those moments I think that that really um, began to just change the way in which I related mm-hmm. to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's what you've identified in so many other people's stories where we don't always know what the Lord is doing or are aware of this moment being a moment necessarily. Mm -hmm. But then looking back, we see, you know, what his presence was doing in our lives just by us being willing to step into that quiet room for a minute and and see what's going on, you know, and see what difference it can make. Right. So there were more, you know, like prayer experiences as part of youth group and then, um, yeah, moving into the more um, kind of conference type settings, which I think are are super important for for young people to take them out of kind of the confines of parish life for a weekend or Mm -hmm. however long to give them other experiences of um, their peers mm-hmm. who who are having an encounter with Jesus and who love the Lord mm-hmm. um, is just so critical. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a point that um, just also built on this kind of initial exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Can you share a little bit more about um, your experience 
as a teen in a conference setting um, yeah. and encountering Jesus there? So it was, um, you know, through a Steubenville Youth Conference, which mm-hmm. um, I, I think have done just so, so many great things for mm-hmm. the church and for, for our young people in particular. Um, just having the experience of, of being, as I said, with peers, um, just in a, in a place where you could kind of be free to experience the Lord, mm-hmm. be, be free, like w- without, you know, having to worry, like who's looking at me or, yeah. you know, um, what will my friends think of like really and ent- being able to enter in. Yeah. Um, so obviously those are, those are conferences with um, just dynamic speaking yeah. and um, kind of the highlight always is the time of Eucharistic adoration mm-hmm. and the procession in particular. And um, yeah, I just, I just remember being a part of that and when the procession began just seeing the experiences that other people were having sure. and just their their faith mm-hmm. and wanting that as well yeah and so just remembering remember remembering asking the lord for that that deeper faith and and just recognizing then that this is this is true and this is this is real and this is yeah. um how the lord desires just for us to be in relationship with him and to, to know his love. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, not, not anything, you know, I, I didn't, you know, fall over or anything mm-hmm. like that, but just being really caught up in, in the experience of, of Christ's presence. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> my personal Eucharistic testimony also involves a, a profound yeah. encounter at, uh, a Steubenville Youth Conference as well. And and it does make a difference mm-hmm. to just step out of the day-to-day, be surrounded by hundreds of peers and see the Lord work. Um, you know, whether that's uh, just stirring up the desire for mm-hmm. him or having a, a particularly uh, profound encounter with him, it, it's very powerful. So um, I do have to ask though. <laughs> so I've I've been to several Steubenville Youth Conferences um, just as a teen and then through work growing up or, or more recently. And um, and I know there's a tradition at the end of the conference to invite <laughs> young men who might be open yeah. to the priesthood to come and receive prayer. Was that an invitation that you received? Did you respond to that? Where were you at in terms of like yeah. your vocation I, at that so point? So I did not respond to that. Um, so I was at a point where yeah, I think from the very, honestly, from the very beginning of of high school, I, I sensed the Lord's calling, um, but it obviously was, was nothing that I wanted to share with anybody. So um, it wasn't, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why, why I didn't respond. I think it was one of those things where um, I can be very, very self-conscious and um, probably didn't want to answer the questions of, of you know my peers who were there, um, <laughs> but I think everybody probably knew <laughs> already, <laughs> right, right. but just not, yeah, not not willing to take that step yet. Sure. Um, but th- there was, as time went on, um, part of my my story, which is um, kind of confusing to people sometimes, was the fact that uh, so I actually started taking classes at the seminary as a high school student, as oh a senior gosh. in high school. So you had to get special permission. So wow. I had to come and interview at the seminary with the dean of studies and all of that. And wow. Um, so I, so it was like kind of this awkward. Yeah, I was like in classes with seminarians, but mm. I wasn't a seminarian. But <laughs> um, and like totally didn't tell anybody about that, like sure. in high school or anything. But 
Um, but that was like your choosing, like you, it, you yeah, sought it out. It was my choosing. Wow. Yeah. So I, again, like being involved in music at that time and mm-hmm. even for myself as a high school student, high school senior, like working in a parish, yeah. um, you know, so I, I always had, I always knew that I wanted to, uh, well, that's not true. I wanted to be <laughs> surprisingly or not like <laughs> in TV news or radio when I was growing up. Okay. So that was always what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until things changed in high school. Um, so in my mind, I would work for the church in one way or another. Okay. And I wasn't quite ready to say that that would be a pre- as a priest, but I, I figured that I would work as a musician or in other areas of lay ministry. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't ready yet to, to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had feet in both worlds. Um, and there came a point, um, I remember like playing at mass one day and, um, just recognizing just in in the quiet that I really loved what I was doing, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't what I felt the Lord was calling me to for the rest of my life. Um, and it wasn't where I saw the Lord kind of using me to full capacity. Mm. And so, um, yeah, my, my story is um, part of my vocation story that I don't um, get into fully in, mm-hmm. in the written version of uh, my testimony here is the fact that I um, eventually applied to the seminary, mm-hmm. was accepted, and then basically a couple of weeks before got cold feet and <gasps> and backed out. Oh my gosh. Um, and so two years went by. Okay. And the call obviously never went away. Yeah. And it it was kind of a point of frustration for me um, because I was like, okay, you e- either need to like give this thought again and really like look at the possibility of, of uh, if the Lord is calling you to, to serve as a priest or you need to stop thinking about it because wow. you're just driving yourself crazy basically. Yeah. So I, I approached the vocation office again, yeah. not knowing, like they could have very well said, like we did this once and like you had your chance yeah. and you flaked out and so be on your way. So I was like, well, I'm gonna try and we'll see what they say. And if they accept me, great. If not, then I know that it's not, it's not meant to be. It's right. not what the Lord wants. So reapplied, had the necessary meetings and they took me back. Amazing. <laughs> so Amazing. so uh, God. I didn't leave. They didn't <laughs> yeah. kick me out. And uh, so here I am. Here you are. Yeah. Wow. What were those two years like in in that gap for you? Um, like, did you fill your time with ministry? Did you? Yeah. So so kind of went back to, to music ministry okay. and thinking about, you know, if the Lord was calling me to marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's the case, like in all things, the grass is always greener on the other mm-hmm. side, right? So um, the question was there, but again, like in my heart, knew that I probably wasn't called to marriage. So that um, that was there. And a lot of my friends were seminarians. And so it was okay. like, you know, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why don't you just like... Uh, the seminary is the place to discern. Sure. You know, sure. Um, not to get into a whole vocation <laughs> podcast here, but that's the place, you know, to go and, and really discern. You can't yeah. discern outside of the seminary because you just don't have the same experience mm-hmm. and you don't have the same formation. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was it was filled with ministry, filled with um, just 
thinking about yeah. <laughs> the seminary and yeah. the possibility of priesthood. Um, uh, and, and, you know, prayer, obviously yeah. bringing it to the Lord. Um, and again, I, I'm sure it was filled with returning to that adoration chapel and that time of quiet prayer and just, just yeah. asking, asking the Lord. Following that period of time, you, you get accepted and, and, and come enter seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens next in <laughs> yeah. terms of... Yeah, and so so seminary is really a time of growing in relationship with the Lord. And mm-hmm. so um, they try, rightly so, just to instill in us building a habit of prayer. And mm-hmm. part of that habit of prayer is um, Eucharistic adoration mm-hmm. daily. So I obviously took part in that. And again, um, there, there was a t- lot of moments of, of fruitful prayer before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but my time, uh, again, b- being able to look at a specific experience comes um, really after my third year in the seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the opportunity, uh, most of the time, guys go on pilgrimage to the Holy Land mm-hmm. my year um, just because of different things we weren't able to go. So we did a 30-day pilgrimage throughout Europe, which mm-hmm. was beautiful. We come back, we have a couple of weeks off, and then we leave again for a 30-day silent retreat wow. um, in uh, middle of nowhere, Irene, South Dakota. Oh um, so if anyone from Irene, South Dakota is listening, you have a beautiful place, <laughs> but it really is secluded. I wow. mean, it's farm country. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's you and the Lord. For 30 days. For 30 days. That's yep. a long time. It is. Um, uh, so it's an Ignatian retreat. So you're using a lot of um, kind of prompts from St. Ignatius and also entering into j- just using your imagination and prayer. Yeah. And we are asked to pray five holy hours a day. So mm-hmm. it's it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And so there are times where your prayer is fruitful. Mm-hmm. There are probably more times where your prayer is dry. Mm-hmm. At least that was the case for me. Um, and so I really struggled in this mm-hmm. in this these thirty days, um, especially just getting used to the pattern of prayer, getting mm-hmm. used to the silence, the seclusion, um, and then just the Ignatian spirituality, the mm-hmm. Ignatian prayer. Um, yeah, it was just difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So I was having kind of some um, frustration with my spiritual director. <laughs> and so I was kind of at a point of just frustration with the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so one afternoon, there was a little white chapel that sat kind of on a hill, kind mm-hmm. of picturesque. And I said, well, I'm going to go and pray there mm-hmm. today. And um, went into the chapel and um was just me. Nobody else was there. Mm-hmm. There was a mouse there. I remember. No way. Um, so me and the church, church mouse. mouse. Yep. Amazing. Um, and the the blessed sacrament was not exposed in the monstrance, but sure. obviously present in the tabernacle. And I sat down, and um, just kind of got situated. Was attentive to the Lord in the tabernacle, and then just had a moment of kind of looking up. There's a beautiful crucifix there, and I remember. Just, just feeling the Lord say to me, just posing a question, saying like, when will you or why don't you let me be more for you? Hmm. I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, and so wow. what I, what he revealed to me in that time was just the fact that my image of Jesus was my knowledge of him. Hmm. And also what I 
had always just experienced him to be as this this man shaped out of wood Mm -hmm. and put on a cross. And in posing that question to me, obviously what Jesus was getting at was like, I want to actually have a relationship with you. I don't just want to be some figure that you look upon on a cross, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you kind of um, shape me into who you want me to be for you mm-hmm. instead of letting me be who I want to be for you. Wow. And so uh, that that changed a lot yeah. for me. And I, and I go back to that always mm-hmm. and probably more than anything else, that that was the moment where um, in the presence of the Lord, in the Blessed Sacrament, mm-hmm. in the tabernacle, in the church that day, where um, that that invitation to enter into a, a deeper union with Jesus um, was, was given mm-hmm. and received, albeit not perfectly. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what did, like how did that affect the way you approached your time with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, whether during Mass or just in in the quiet times in the chapel, from that point on, like what yeah. changed in, in in those moments for you? I think just being mindful of that of the invitation, mm-hmm. you know, just always keeping it before me, um, because that even after that point, and even now, there's the, there's the temptation to kind of just keep Jesus at a distance, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so really, really um, trying to, to let the Lord ultimately direct the course of my life and my conversation and my relationship Mm -hmm. with him. It's just kind of keeping it at the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, And and what a gift. So you said that happened three years into your time mm-hmm. at seminary? Right. Okay. And so then um, what did the rest of your time in preparation to accept your vocation as a priest kind of look like yeah. for you? I really think I knew that the Lord was um, asking me to serve him mm-hmm. and the church as a priest. I mean, even from that from that moment, you know, um, you know, there's difficulties that we experience in the seminary, just even relationally. Mm-hmm. You know, so we we were in with other other guys who we're discerning with, and after that summer, you know, after that time of prayer, I think there were two or three who I were was close with who who just heard the Lord. You know, invite them to a different vocation. Wow. You know, into mm-hmm. married life, and so that's difficult when you're when you're with other. Um, other guys and and they just they leave mm-hmm. for whatever reason mm-hmm. or or for one reason or another um, and the archbishop speaks about this too just in his own kind of experience that th- those are real moments of of testing mm-hmm. to say like okay Lord like those guys are really great mm-hmm. and they and I can see they they love you and have a relationship with you and um, and they're leaving and I'm still here wow. and should I be here and so that was. Um, like in my heart, knowing that yes, this is this is what I want, yeah. but is it what you want? Yeah. And so, always, really, to the moment of ordination day, asking asking that question. Wow. Yeah. 
That's so intense. Up to yeah. the, wow. I, I mean, like obviously have, having the conviction yeah. and, and knowing yeah. that this is this is the way forward, and this is how I feel the Lord is is going right. to to fulfill me. But there's always like our humanity is in that, and so yeah. we, we want to be sure that it's not like, is it just what I want? Mm-hmm. And so making sure that that question is always before us. Wow. Well, and then you were ordained a priest and I'm I'm so grateful I praise God for your priesthood because you're my parish priest at St. Aloysius in Detroit and um and so now what is what is um what is your habit of prayer before the blessed sacrament like obviously like you you have the the gift of celebrating the mass mm-hmm. and so I'd love to hear your perspective on that but also how do you spend those times um just one-on-one before him um in yeah. the tabernacle yeah celebrating mass is pretty pretty unbelievable yeah um and I mean that in every sense of the word um that I I really have to be mindful of of what the Lord is doing through me you know and um just getting getting beyond myself because mm-hmm. I know, as all of us priests know, and our people know it, know them too. Like mm-hmm. our our shortcomings and our limitations and the ways in which we struggle. That you know, the Lord uses imperfect vessels, mm-hmm. you know, to bring about um, a greater good, which is Him. Mm-hmm. And so, when when I'm tempted in those moments of like of doubting or you know like. Huh, like I know that the Lord probably uses these other very holy priests, mm-hmm. but when I think about myself, you know, mm-hmm. like the devil likes to tempt me and and say like, yeah, he uses the other ones, but can he really use you? Oh God! Um, so really, really, just always bringing myself back to like, this is the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's His work. It's it's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit here, mm-hmm. um, and I'm a willing participant in that, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and then times before the Lord in, in the Blessed Sacrament, you know, I would say are very similar to um, everyone else's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- there are times when it's easier and there are times when it's more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be difficult to detach from from the world and really spend that time um, before the Lord. Uh, you know, so obviously much, if not all, of the work that I do is is bound up in the church, right. you know, and so um, just being mindful of, you know, separating the the temptation to always focus on the work mm-hmm. from wanting just to be attentive to how the Lord wants to work on me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so just just being really mindful of. Um, trying not to bring the distractions into that time of prayer, mm-hmm. um, but also, but also ne- needing to do that, needing mm-hmm. to bring my work into a place before the Lord and asking what He wants for mm-hmm. for these things. So it's not just what what I think mm-hmm. the parish needs or what I think I should preach about mm-hmm. um, or what our team needs to do, but ha- having that balance of of bringing my heart and then listening. So I mm-hmm. I try not to, um, because I have enough to bring mm-hmm. in. Um, so for me, it spiritual reading mm-hmm. uh, or praying the rosary or that, um, I don't do mm-hmm. in my time of, of 
adoration. Mm -hmm. That's for other times of prayer. Um, for me, I really just try to to sit and be attentive mm -hmm. and just bring before the Lord whatever it is that usually on that day mm -hmm. I, I need to bring to him. Yeah. And how does he respond? How does he meet you in those moments? Always, you know, similarly um, to what everyone else has said, <laughs> just in, in, he's just very gracious mm -hmm. um, and he's patient. And um, I, I experience in, I experience him in the peace and the consolation that I get. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I have to always go back to, you know, outside of that time, just go back to the graces that I might have experienced, mm -hmm. but not recognized in the moment. Sure. So being able to look back and say, this is what I was feeling during that time. Mm -hmm. And so kind of being able to connect the dots mm -hmm. of, of what I believe the Lord was speaking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I kind of like we mentioned at the beginning, just you sitting down and, and thinking about or asking the Lord to show you, you know, mm -hmm. where those dots connect. Right. Um, he's always so good and right. so willing to show us, reveal his love story to us over yeah. and over. And, and over I'm just, again. I'm just very edified by the people that the Lord puts in my path, like par particularly our uh, parishioners, mm -hmm. just the ways like their love and devotion for the Holy Eucharist and the stories that they've shared just just encourages me so much just yeah. to um, just renew my own commitment to um, deeper prayer and deeper relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And so they're, they're just essential for me. Praise God. Well, thank you so much, Father Mario. Um, I'm so grateful for your willingness to share more of your story. And <laughs> and again, on a very personal note, I'm very grateful that as my parish priest, <laughs> you make the Blessed Sacrament available yes. to me. Um, uh, that it, it, because of this this love story he's brought yeah. you on through his yeah. Eucharistic presence. It's so. a gift and it's an honor, and uh, I'm really grateful for that. And uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, reversing roles here and hearing your story. <laughs> one day, one day, we'll get there. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.